Welcome to the In the Bag podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Slaughter, from it's a, a star-filled night here in Houston, Texas. And I'm back with my uh, co-host, Jazzy, James Haldeman. Long time no talk. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. It's been a little while since uh, we sat down and did this with a big break for the PGA Tour with you know the fun President's Cup and then just kind of some ex- exhibition events like the Tiger Woods Hero World Challenge. And then we got back into it with the Century Tournament of Champions. You know, with only 36, I think it was 36 players in the field, wasn't all that exciting to sit down. And I think we talked about it a little bit, but neither one of us wanted to tackle DraftKings with that one anyways. It was just too unpredictable. But that was, ended up being a really fun tournament, a cool finish. Justin Thomas and Xander tried to give it away to Patrick Reed, who just gave it away in the, the playoff holes. So that was pretty fun. And then last week, I did get back into it, but you had some Supreme Court case to prepare or something like that. Something above my pay grade, so we didn't get to uh, to pod, but had a good, fun weekend last weekend and a good weekend this past weekend for me again with Cam Smith pulling it out. And I, something we had talked about before was me trying to change where I win my money, and I was able to do that last week. Even if Cam Smith hadn't won, I would have had a really good performance just with guys hitting top 10, top 20. So it's good to be back in the groove, good to be back talking with you, and, and I'm excited to, to make this a, a regular thing again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you gave a good rundown of the tournaments there. It was it was a nice break, though. You know, it's kind of good to recharge and, you know, spend time with family. I had, you know, my uh, hand surgery, so I've been recuperating from that. Finally got the cast off a couple of days ago, so That's a big I'm pretty... That's a good, good pretty, time to be back. Yeah, pretty pumped about that, so I should be playing golf here for the upcoming spring. Be ready to take down the trophy uh, or the title belt in the uh, Haldeman Bachelor Party group. I should probably get a title belt put together, shouldn't I? Yeah, I think we should kind of. I think we should do like one where we have like just like traditional stroke play, and then you've you've kind of figured out who's good and or like the talent level of everyone, and we'll just do like a team best ball or best hole sort of uh, thing. I think uh, those will both be fun. Yeah, I might be good by then. I, I just broke 90 for the first time this past weekend, so I'm pretty excited about that. So maybe I'll be good by then. Who knows? Yeah, there we go. We're making moves. We're going to need at least you at that point. We're going to need at least one of us to be able to compete with my, my scratch golfer friend. So <laughs> maybe it'll be me. Maybe somebody else will step up. We'll see. Yeah, so either way, it's fun. And we get a last weekend, it was the first, like, what I would consider a real tournament with cut on Saturday. Uh, you know, you don't have only 36 players, you have a full field. And so I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to uh, really prepare for it because of the Supreme Court thing, but otherwise it was fun. And then this weekend, we get a semi-normal tournament where we have three three different courses, everyone plays those courses, and then there's a cut going into Sunday, right? Yeah, correct. So they'll play the stadium course, the, the Nicholas course, and what is the the La Quinta Country Club on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they'll play the stadium course again, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then play the, the stadium course again on Sunday for the 65 that make the cut. It's also a pro-am event, uh, and the reason they kind of play these things, they do these early ev- events early in the year on three different courses is just to save sunlight. So you got they put people on different courses to try and make sure everybody gets done with their rounds every day, which is something I did not know until today, but I found, found that pretty interesting. And it wasn't this tournament, but it was uh, the tournament after this where Romo 
uh, almost made the cut right last year, and he was like, yeah. gonna, might have he was like, you know, he may have missed his uh, his uh, broadcasting duties in the uh, AFC Championship game. Yep, that was this last year. Yeah, so maybe he'll do it again next year. That you know, that's always a fun fun little prop bet to to always hammer that Romo is going to do worse than everyone thinks he is. But nonetheless, it's still <laughs> kind of cool that he, you know you get to see these people that are not golfers golf and do well or don't do well. You know, it's entertaining. Yeah, there are a lot of guys that can play, obviously. So yeah. I, I, I enjoy the pro-am aspect of it to some extent. It also makes the tracks a lot easier for the players because they don't set them up with, you know, particularly deep rough or they don't shave the fairways particularly thin just so the pro-am people have a chance to go out and shoot, shoot a decent score. So it makes it fun to watch these guys on the, the easier tracks like this too. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the tracks of, of last weekend, and we could talk more about last weekend or just the tournaments overall in general, but, I, you know, where they provided a challenge, and I I heard some of the players kind of echo that sentiment, uh, saying, you know, that's nice to see a score that's like, you know, not a, a crazy high number uh, when the tournament, cause it, what, Justin Thomas was 11 under, or they were all the, the trio that made it to the playoff, they were 11 under? I think that the... The Century Tournament champions was at like 13 or 14 yeah. and played really, really tough. And then last week, it was more of a weather situation. But right, it was, it was still, super windy. You know, yeah, it was only 11 under that won it with like 17 mile an hour gusts, 20 mile an hour gusts. So it was actually, I mean, I like, these guys are good. We got, we know that they can put the ball where they want it when the weather is nice and greens are receptive and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, when the conditions are crappy like they were last week it's it's fun to watch them you know struggle but still go out and make birdies and, and kind of have to earn you know the result that they get which i think cam smith really earned what he got he was just phenomenal down the stretch with in a situation you know where he was coming back from two three strokes down for basically the entire back nine and and you know made a putt and then outplayed Brendan still in the playoff hold end up winning the tournament and it's you know it's not that Brandon still doesn't not that he's like a veteran or anything or not that he's not a veteran, but you know, whenever you just have someone breathing down your neck with a talent of Cam Smith, even if Cam Smith hasn't really been in too many of these big spots, it's, you know, you kind of see what people are made of and it's, you know, it's why these guys that don't normally win when they hold on and when, you know, when some of these tournaments, it's always very impressive because uh, it does take nerves of steel and focus and, you know, just playing your best golf that you can. And, Cam Smith was able to take advantage, and it's good for him. I've always liked Cam Smith and watching him. And then, you know, like Ryan Palmer made a charge because he's Mr. King of the Wind. Yeah. <laughs> he got his putter going last week. He made, like, he couldn't make anything inside of seven feet, but he couldn't miss anything from seven to 15 feet. It was pretty crazy. It's a very Jordan Spieth of him. It is very Jordan Spieth of him. You also just like your Aussie guys, which is why I think you're such a big Cam Smith fan. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I like guys that that can play in all sorts of different weather. And I feel like they're Australians typically have a more versatile game of, of type of uh, tournaments or golf courses that they can play in, whether it's yeah, heavily bunkered sure. or whatever. Yep. But with that said, given that we've had a break, I know that, you know, it's, it's a little, I feel like it's a little difficult to do this club up club down section, but I think that, you know, enough of the guys have played where we can see what, what their form is and, and how they're looking heading into this tournament. And so why don't you just lead us off with uh, the players that you believe that are going to be doing well this weekend and then the players that you're not so hot on. Yeah, so for my club up, I have three guys from last weekend that aren't going to be playing this weekend, but 
Cam Smith, obviously, we already talked about him. We've both been high on him for a while, so it's fun to watch him get his his that's his first second win on the PGA Tour. He got one in a in a partnered event before that. I think the Memphis event two years ago. But happy to see him get a win. Webb Simpson, another tournament, another Webb Simpson top ten. We're just going to move on from that. We don't need to say anything else. Ryan Palmer, who we already talked about a little bit, he's been playing really, really well. He's an A-plus ball striker, and when he putts well like he did last week, he'll always put himself in contention in these tournaments. The guy that I think it does translate to this week uh, is Kevin Kisner. He struggled pretty bad at the beginning of the year, but you know, over the last two tournaments in Hawaii, he looked to have figured a lot of things out, and just based on his performance... Last week, he moved from 131st on the tour to 41st in strokes gained approach and from 136th to 67th in greens and regulation, which says his iron play is in a really, really good place. And I think that is what we can expect moving forward with him this year. I mean, obviously, there's you know a little more expectation on him because he's played well a couple of weeks in a row, probably more ownership. So we'll see how that holds up. Uh, for club down, I'm not going to hold it too much against guys that played last week because those conditions were so bad like you know Justin Thomas didn't even make the cut I'm not going to put him on the trending down section just because he missed a cut right but the two guys that I I am going to talk about one is Dylan Fratelli he's been trending in the wrong direction since even before the break just hasn't been playing great golf and I think it's just poor it's really a shame because he was I feel like he was kind of on the cusp of really having a good season I feel like it you know he had a couple of high finishes at the end of last year then rolled it over to the beginning of this year and and he's just really fallen off a cliff. Yeah, he had a sixth and a seventh to start this this PGA Tour season, and then has just fallen off a cliff since then. I just don't think he's playing well, tee to green, and hopefully he gets some things figured out. You know, these guys work on their games, maybe take a week off that he's supposed to play or something, and, and figure it out. But I, I think he's a really good player. He's just going in the wrong direction right now. The other guy, this might just be a me letting my bias show here, but I'm going to put Patrick Reed in the trending down section. I, I just think this year is going to be a real struggle for him just because he's a jerk and people have started to really not like him. I mean, you watch the first playoff hole on his birdie putt and he he hits it and literally a half second later, somebody screams cheater, like incredibly audibly. And he's just going to be dealing with that this entire season. So it's going to take like, golf is already a nervy mental game. He's going to be dealing with a lot of extra in that facet just all season long. I think it's going to be a really tough season for Patrick Reed and We'll see if it takes a toll on him. But I think last week was partially conditions, but partially that sort of stuff kind of finally wearing down on him. Yeah, and I, I have like kind of two two things I'd like to piggyback off of and just kind of get your thoughts on. And the first, I'll go with the positive. Yeah, the second's a positive too, I guess in a kind of backwards sort of way. But is this the year? So I feel like Webb has been, he really had to adjust whenever they moved. You know, they said that he couldn't have the belly putter anymore. He, he reforms his game, he gets his putting stroke down, and then he starts hitting the ball over the place a couple of years ago. But over the last two years, he's really been trending upward. And are we at the point like where Webb you know, ought to be recognized as a consistent top 10 or even higher golfer you know, moving forward as we approach the, the major season? I think Webb Simpson is a guy I'm going to be riding high in every tournament he plays in and for what we oh, I texted you earlier today and I was like I can't find a stat that Webb Simpson isn't top five in on the PGA Tour right now like it took me a long time and he's like 36 in greens and uh fringe in regulation or something like that on the PGA Tour which is just like absurd like you know strokes gained approach top five birdie or better percentage top five par five scoring top five and so I 
to answer your question, yeah, I think Webb Simpson is a top 10 golfer in the world right now, and I, I think the stats back that up. The only thing he's missing is a win. But every tournament he's played in this year, he's marched out, marched in and marched out with a top 10 finish, including a loss and a playoff, which was just kind of like one of those situations we talked about where one of these guys had an opportunity to go out and win that doesn't win and, and capitalized on it. But I think Webb wins definitely one tournament this year. I don't know what it's going to be. But I also expect him to be in contention in probably every single major he plays. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I definitely agree with you. I think, uh, and I, I'm excited for him because I think he's well respected, obviously, around the tour, and he's really had to work hard to get to where he is. I don't think he's one of these guys that's a natural talent. Yeah. But he's really had to work and craft his game. So I think it's exciting times for Webb. I don't think this is like a, a Jason Cockrack type situation where, you know, he is good one year and then you know just kind of that was that was his plateau uh i think i think webb has a bright future ahead and then the second thing i'd just like to say is uh, I, just from a viewer standpoint it's been a really long time you know we have all these likable or likable good young golfers that are up and coming but golf hasn't had a villain in some time and if patrick oh, Reed sure. really could be like good or like at least compete in some of these tournaments but also just like drive people crazy i think it might actually be good for the sport i mean it's not good that he's like cheating obviously but i think it's good that there's just someone that people are rooting against yeah i feel like bryson dechambeau got a little bit of that just yeah, because people love brooks right. so much and brooks took him on yeah i think it'll make golf a much more fun sport or funner i guess much more fun sport to watch kind of like you know the Ryder cup when he and Rory were going at it in their, their singles match, right? And they were both taunting each other and talking trash to the crowd. That was fun. So if, if that becomes a part of, like, who Patrick Reed is, like, good for him if he makes the golf if he makes golf more enjoyable to watch and grows the game. I'm happy I mean, I mean his that. caddy punched a fan. It's wild. That's, like, WWE. Like, that's not... That's not... Like, think about if, if I had told you, like, two years ago that you were going to hear about a caddy punching a fan during the president's <laughs> cup. And like, first we would have said, yeah, it's Patrick Reed's, but like the fact that it happened is just preposterous. Yeah, no, it really is. You can't do that kind of stuff, but yeah, no, I, I think it has a chance to actually be good uh, for the sport moving forward. If he can uh, overcome what you're talking about, the, the mental game of it all. Cause it's, it, it's a lot to bear to be the villain of a sport. I mean, like, think of, it's like LeBron James, his first year in Miami, right? Like, he decided he was going to embrace the villain role and then just, like, crumbled under the pressure of it in the finals because he couldn't do it anymore because that's not who he actually is. Mm-hmm. It might actually be who Patrick Reed is, so it could actually work in his favor. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. He seems like he doesn't care about what anyone thinks. Yeah, so, all right. Well, let's move forward to this weekend. Enough catching up. So, you you talked about the course a little bit. There's three different courses uh, it's obviously very high scoring because of how the setup is with the, the amateur type guys. What are things that we are looking for this weekend? I know that you can't give us like your awesome course breakdown that you normally do because there are three different courses, not just one course. But generally speaking, what type of cor- what type of facets of games are we looking at? And obviously, it's going to be a high scoring, so we want people that score well, even if they give us some bogeys. Yeah, for sure. On that last topic. Over at Palm Springs, this time we we're gonna like you said we're gonna play three courses. The stadium course, which I've been lucky enough to play before, 
the Nicholas Tournament Course, and the La Quinta Country Club. So the, like you said earlier, the cut will be 54 instead of 36, so each player has an opportunity to play all three courses before the final cut is made. That's going to change some things for us in DraftKings scoring specifically, because I think we can take more risks at the bottom of our lineups, not have to worry about you know guys getting cut after 36 holes. That's at least another 18 holes worth of birdies, even potential birdies or eagles, even if they get cut. We should probably take a second here and, and at least acknowledge Pete Dye, who passed away last week. He's a designer of a lot of beautiful golf courses across America, and it's it's kind of fun to for these guys to get to play on his track a week after he passes away. So it's kind of a, a good homage to him. You know, pay, pay honor to, to a legend of the game. All three courses this week are par 72s. They are between like 7,000 and 7,200 yards in length. So we're not necessarily going to need bombers. Kevin Nas won here before, and he definitely isn't as long as a lot of guys on the tour. Most of the par 5s here will play below 550 yards, including I think it's the uh, Nicholas course. All four of them are. So scoring should be easy to come by there. And then a third of the par 4s are 350 to 400 yards, so they're much shorter par 4s as well. Like you said, we want low scores. La Quinta and Nicholas were the two easiest tracks on the PGA Tour relative to par last year. And now the stadium course was 40th, toughest, but six players still finished better than 21 last year. Uh, as far as what we're looking for in players, a, a weird stat is that 9 out of the last 10 winners have played in one of the two tournaments in Hawaii, so you're probably looking for somebody who isn't coming off the long layoff completely stiff. Uh, but as far as scoring stats, we want to look at par 5 scoring, just because they're so easy to score on, we want to make sure we're getting our, our strokes there. We want to look at par 4 scoring, because like any Pete Dye course, you want to be able to strategically place the ball and leave yourself with good approach shots. And then because we're looking to give ourselves good approach shots, we want strokes gained approach leaders. And then we just want people who are going to score, so we're going to look at birdie or better percentage. And then also greens and regulation. We want people, We want to make sure on small greens, and these greens are very, very small in these three courses, that we're looking for people who are going to give themselves birdie opportunities or at least a putt, whether it's off the fringe or whatever. We want opportunities to score every hole. Is there, uh, you may not have looked this up, but has there been any uh, trend as to people who have won this tournament starting on a particular course or how people finish in top tens or anything like that? You know, I did not see anything about that. That's that's probably pretty interesting. But, I mean, I think that's probably condition-based. Let's say, like, you know, you get the easiest day to play on, you know, La Quinta or whatever, and it's the easiest course in the in, out of the three, so you get to shoot a lower number there. And then the next day somebody comes in and it's super blustery and they, you know, don't have as good opportunity. I guess it's probably weather-based, but the weather is going to be pretty calm for these guys in Palm Springs this weekend. So I don't expect what course they're playing in what order to be too much of a factor. I did see it was supposed to rain on Thursday night. In the Palm oh, okay. Spring area, so maybe well, if they're playing the stadium course on Friday, uh, perhaps they'd score a little better than normal. So maybe that maybe if like a tie-breaking factor or something that you use yeah, whenever for sure. it, you're picking that, that could lineups. definitely be a help make the greens a little more receptive. Mm-hmm. So that that was the only thing I saw, but uh, but nonetheless, well, uh, we can just jump on into it here. So as per usual, we'll uh, start at the top and work our way down to the bottom of the DFS slate here. Uh, this is not a overly talented field, but there are still quite a few good good golfers in this field. But it's not not an A uh, caliber by any stretch of the means. I think it's interesting. I don't think it's an incredibly like 
high like top end field, but I think it's a pretty deep field. There are a lot of golfers in the we talked about a little bit and we'll get to it, but a lot of guys at the bottom that I like. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I definitely do. It, it's the middle range is kind of where I'm looking to live here, but yeah. Before we get into that, all right. So we have nine golfers, ninety five hundred and above. Who's your favorite? What's the best value? Who's your least favorite? I like uh, Kevin Kisner, probably my my favorite play out of here. Uh, he's got his game going. He isn't going to break the bank. I think he's like 96, 9700. And he's, so that gives you some flexibility in what you said. You like a lot of guys in the middle. And I think he gives you flexibility to go higher priced guys there if that's what you choose to do. So I, I like Kisner the most for his price point and also what I think he's going to give you this week. Uh, the best value, I think, is Scotty Scheffler. He's the cheapest of these guys, but he's got three top tens. He averages the most points per start in DFS right now. And I know he hasn't played for a while, but I'm going to assume that, you know, starting the season with three top tens in your in your belt gives you motivation enough to keep your game sharp coming into the rest of the season. You know, in your rookie year, you want to have a strong finish. Guys I don't like, there are two of them. I don't like Paul Casey very much uh, at the third highest price. He doesn't have a good history at this event. I believe he's missed cuts two out of the last three years at this event even though he is an arizona state guy and still lives in arizona uh and the other guy i don't particularly like at this high of a price range is benny on i just think you know like the class of the field is is much better than him to be priced up here with these guys that's fair what i just want to touch on a couple people i feel like a lot of people are going to gravitate towards tony finau Mm-hmm. Just given the fact that it's a low-scoring course, it seems to be a type of course that he can handle. Uh, why is he not uh, a person that you are looking to target in this area? Tony Finau is like 185th on the PGA Tour in par 5 scoring right now, despite the fact that he is second in strokes gained approach on the PGA Tour, which tells me the guy just can't make a putt, uh, or he's not playing well off the tee on par 5. So I'm not... I'm not looking to Tony Finau because he just hasn't blown me away with low numbers yet this year, even though I know he has the capability to do it. So I, I, I just want somebody to show me that they can do it right now so far this year. And Finau's just been so inconsistent with the putter that if I need him to go low on a Sunday to win or score me a bunch of points, is he going to? I just don't know right now. Yeah, and then my favorite person, or not favorite, but a person that I usually like to target that we didn't, haven't talked about is Hal. Again, someone who, as I've brought up to Staten, you know, many other times he's led the league or led the PGA Tour in uh, par five scoring yep. since 2014. It seems like a course that he's going to do well on. What makes you hesitant on on why you're not targeting him? Uh, I'm not. I'm not actively staying away from Charles Howe. I think if you want to play Howe, I think he's fine. I believe he's a little lower owned than the guys I've talked about as well. So I think Hal's a good play. He's not had, re- he's not really peaked here. I guess if that makes sense, he's had really solid finishes. But I think his best finish here is like a twelve or a thirteen. And if at your top end you're looking for guys that maybe can get you a win or a top five, and and I just haven't seen that from him here. And I don't know what it is about this course specifically that doesn't, or these courses that don't match up with him. Uh, but. I'm not. I'm not saying don't play Hal. He's just not one of the couple guys I'm targeting. I'm gonna target Kisner. I'm gonna maybe target Scheffler. Probably target Scheffler and then target him because, like you asked before, I do think he's the guy that is most likely to win the tournament. Gotcha. All right. Moving on to the middle of the pack here. Probably to me the most fascinating part of this uh, group. I think he. You know, we have some past winners. Some 
guys that are on the rise and then some guys that have shown flashes in the past but maybe not up to form. Uh, there's about 16, 17 guys in this area. Uh, who are you looking to target? I guess in terms of both, who do you think has the best chance to win? Who do you like for a value play? Who are you going to stay away from? Who do I like and think has the best chance to win? I'm going to play Matt Wolf, And this is solely based off a comment from Phil Mickelson's second place finish last year where he said he decided to just be super aggressive with the course even though they're short. He tried to hit bombs off the tee and then make putts. And so I think Matt Wolf has that sort of aggressive nature to his game. And I think his two biggest strengths are off the tee and once he's on the greens, he's an excellent putter. So if he can give himself enough opportunities where he's hitting short wedges in or maybe you know hitting scramble shots uh, to give himself birdie putts, then he's going to play well. And I, I just think he's somebody that will have that type of mentality. Best value, I got two guys, both at 7,700. I think Harris English at 12% owned. Four top tens in the fall swing of things, including three top sixes, I believe. It's just way underpriced. My Again, my thoughts are the same with Scotty Scheffler. Is, did he keep his game sharp? I feel like you have to if you have that sort of start to the season when you're a guy like Harris English, right? He's just not... He's not a Brooks or a Rory or whatever. Like, he's got to scrap and claw his way into the Tour Championship, and continuing to play the way he has will will obviously get him there. Uh, the other guy I like here is Zach Johnson, who's been playing better recently. And I think... Shorter courses kind of fit his game. I like the way he played last weekend, so I think at that price, Zach Johnson is a pretty solid play. I'm not going to be targeting Can Champ from this area this weekend. I think he's too expensive. We've had this conversation before. At above nine thousand, like I just, I just don't think Champ is the play when he's priced that high. And outside of his win, he has no finishes better than twenty third this year. So I, I'm just going to be avoiding Champ at that high of a price. Just as a question, just uh, trying to pick your brain here. Why is it is it purely a form thing with Champ? Why you like uh, his or you don't like his style uh, compared to like you were talking about with Wolf, someone that can really bomb and and do really put himself in position just by overpowering the course. Why do you not like Champ in that same way? So yeah, I think I think overall Matt Wolf is a better golfer. Uh, and I think he's a far, far better putter and player around the greens than Camp Champ is. So maybe he's not that much better of a wedge or iron player, but I think all the other facets of his game, including the fact that he's $3,000 cheaper on DraftKings, make me gravitate closer to him than I do Champ. And I think he played really well. I think he was in that cluster of a tie for 11th at Tournament of Champions. I, I just think I just think he's a better golfer, and I think that's going to be, be a lot of why I... I target him over champ yeah i mean i think this course is interesting because you can go a variety of ways where you can go with people that can overpower the course and you gotta hope that they put themselves in good positions but then i think you know you're talking about guys that are kind of shorter hitters and and they can also do well we mentioned danny lee earlier that's someone that i like yep uh what about someone like Ches Brevi or something? Is it maybe you're just not on him purely for form because he, he hasn't been good? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm not on Ches. Like, it's it's purely a form thing with him. Uh, he's, like, weirdly just... He, he, his ball-striking stats have been good. He just hasn't scored well, which it's sort of... This, it's not the same as Finau. His ball-striking stats aren't as good. But it tells me he's not putting the ball well. And maybe he's he's just not 
not as accurate as he has been in the past. So it's the same thing with a guy like Ryan Moore, right? Ryan Moore should eat this course up. He was top 10 in par 5 scoring, but he's 222nd this year after, you know, whatever, he's top 10, something like that last year. So those guys could come out and perform well, but it's more of a form thing and, and who else I like around them that's been playing well this year. And then a, a same a same question for two guys. So one is Kevin Na has won you know two times this year and yeah great with the putter. You know can obviously score very capably score in courses where he doesn't have to bomb the ball. You know why is he not so highly owned? He's only at two percent here. What am I missing with him? I think with Kevin Na, his last time we saw him out there. He just played really, really poorly. He shot like 12 over in the Century Tournament of Champions or whatever. And yeah, the course setup was difficult and stuff, but to shoot 12 over and finish like close to last place in that tournament, that just kind of leaves a bad taste in people's mouth probably. And in the tournaments he, he's just played since his win in Vegas, he just hasn't been particularly good and was reliant on an all-time hot putter in order to win that tournament. So I just think that's probably the biggest reason we're seeing Kevin Na faded right now by people. And then the last guy who's very popular in this group, or in this uh, section anyway, is Vaughn Taylor. Now, he has not been putting the ball well, or he's not known for his putter, but he's right. a very accurate hitter of the ball, but he's not going to overpower the course. Do you like him, or is that? do you think that maybe his ownership is like too wonky for, for, for this, or why, why are people on him? I think Von Taylor's probably a little highly owned, but he's we talk about him sometimes. He's just he's just a course horse here. He's played pretty well. I think his last three starts have all been top twenty, top twenty five finishes. And if you can get somebody who you believe is going to do that at that sort of price, then you kinda have to take that angle of attack. I think that's where people are with him right now. Yeah, he's not a great putter, but again, smaller greens, if you're hitting the ball accurately, you give yourself shorter putts just kinda by the fact that we talk, we've talked about before, these guys aim small, miss small, right? So if you're giving them a smaller target they have to hit, then their misses aren't as big, and, and they're coming closer to the flag just kind of by nature of the size of the greens. And so I think that's a, where you get a lot of him putting better or playing better in these types of places. Fair enough. Moving on to the bottom of the, the course here, or the, uh, the pool here, you liked a lot of these guys, so I'm just going to let you have at it. Who are guys that you like in this range? Henrik Norlander, who was somebody you did not like at the beginning of the year because he wasn't putting the ball well, has kind of shored that area up and now has two top tens in his last two starts, which very impressive, especially in the conditions of last week. Uh, Sebastian Munoz is always going to be somebody in this, this space I like if he's priced this low. You talked about Danny Lee, Carlos Ortiz, who has just been an excellent ball striker and putter this year. Harold Varner has a top 20 finish here. Uh, Doc Redman, Bronson Bragoon, Stuart Sink, who I think grades like 5th or 6th in my model this week, just based on stats, and has played pretty well in the tournaments he's been in this year. DJ Trahan has t- uh, top 28s in his last three starts, and for the I think he's like 6,400. Uh, that's just, that's value. You're making a lot, you're, enough birdies there for it to matter. And then Maverick McNeely is only $6,200. Just based on name alone, he should be at least minimum 68 every single tournament. And I think McNeely is another guy in the vein of Wolf who gets to overpower the course, hit hit, hit bombs. He's a decent, decent scrambler, and he's a pretty good putter. So I think his value, he generally outperforms his value, and his 
greens and regulation numbers are far better than his strokes gained approach numbers. So I think that'll normalize over time. I think he's a better iron player than what the strokes gained approach numbers are currently pointing out. So those are the guys that I like. If I'm targeting specific ones out of that list, I want McNeely because he's only 6,200. And I think that's just opens your roster up so much more. Uh, I'm targeting probably Doc Redman. I think his game really fits the course. And I just think anytime you get Sebastian Munoz under you know 7,500, you got to do it. And Carlos Ortiz is kind of a dark horse win guy for me this week. So I, I like all those guys. I think Kevin Chappell is the other guy that comes to mind. And they're just some crazy stats for this guy at Pete Dye Courses. When he plays Pete Dye Courses, he hasn't missed a cut since 2011. He's sixth in birdie or better percentage there. He's fourth in approach play and par five scoring, and he's second in DraftKings scoring at any Pete Dye track since 2011. And I know he's coming off an injury, but he's had some bright spots this year with a 59. And I think at 6,700, you have to give him some looks just because of his ability level, coupled with the fact that he always plays well on Pete Dye tracks. Gotcha. Okay. Well, with that said, let's go and get to the betting here. We'll start in reverse order. We'll work our way uh, from the top 20 and up and work our way down to the to who do you think is the best odds to win. Uh, so we'll start in that top 20 area. Who do you like? My biggest bet of the entire weekend will be on Sung JM minus 120 top 20 finish. I will. It, last week was Webb Simpson at minus 175 top 20 finish. I put $200 on it, came through. And I think I'm going to do a similar sort of thing with Sung JM here. Like, the majority of my week will be wrapped up in, in his top 20 performance, whether it happens or not. Yeah, I mean, I so I actually have a thought about this. And I, I think that this bet, this particular weekend, is particularly good because of the dynamic that you get, that there's not a cut until the third day. And so if you think M is so good or any of these guys are so good that they get they can even have like one off day and it's not going to kill their chance at making the cut so it just right. obviously gives them a better chance to make a top 20 and i feel like yeah i think you're for someone definitely... who is the second or third the second favorite in this tournament to still only be minus 120 125 on that is still pretty good i think that and i just kind of had this thought and i'm curious to get see what you think about it i think it's similar to like the math problem in basketball of pace of play right so if you're a good team you want to play more possessions because you're better and ultimately over time that normalizes and even if you're playing a team that beats you for the first 30 minutes if you play a ton of possessions it gives you time to to catch up in the last 18 of an nba game well i think it's similar here where if you're cutting after three rounds the cream kind of rises to the top because there's less weird variance exactly. so these guys are the best guys are going to make the cut in this tournament just because they get to play more golf, especially on easy tracks, which they're going to eat up. I, I'm with you on that. I think I think this is not a tournament to get cute. And so I know you liked a lot of the guys that are down below at, at super low, and maybe it's good to have one of them down there, but I don't think it's really worth it because, like you said, I think given the layout of this tournament, I think it's better to not get cute, stick to guys that you know, and it, it'll work itself out. Yeah, you're. I mean, when I the list I sent you earlier today has a lot of guys on it, but I think out of the list, these are, a lot of those are just numbers I found interesting that might be fun to talk about. But I think out of the list I sent you, I'm going to play Fowler at minus one eighty five because I think that's a great number for somebody who plays well in these sort of environments, like the desert sort of environments. I'm going to play Sung JM. 
I'm going to play Harris English because he's just been so consistent this year. And then I think I'm going to play a little bit of Sink, Chapel, and McNeely at, at the big numbers they are, right? Plus 700 for Sink, plus 600 for Chapel, and plus 850 for McNeely. Three guys I legitimately believe can make the top 20 this week. But all the other numbers I sent you, I'm probably going to ignore for the most part. But yeah, I, I just think I'm going to have... My weekend will probably will be happy or sad based off some jams performance this this tournament is there any like shots in the dark you want to take down here i mean i i feel that there are a couple that i wouldn't mind seeing you know kevin na yeah i don't i don't hate danny but danny lee right plus 225 i think that one's like super that's like super interesting to me Um, yeah i mean like i think doc redmond at plus 600 is really interesting in the top 20 i think munoz at 325 is is really interesting i think there are a lot of really cool numbers out there it just depends on how you want to wrap your money up in this yeah no i i kind of agree there another one you know we talked about him earlier is, is harris english i, I yeah. like that and I, I think some of these guys like they're one guy that i, I don't quite understand and, and I, I i haven't figured out why his DraftKings uh price is like in the 7000 7100 range is harry higgs because he's all the way down to plus 500 here. What What's the difference? And what are, what are we missing? I think he's spiked a couple of tournaments in the really, really weak fields. And DraftKings adjusted for that more than the betting market did. I, I legitimately think that's about all it is. I think, I think the betting market is more correct on him than DraftKings will be this weekend. Gotcha. Okay. All right, then we'll move into the top 10. Anyone, anyone stick out in, in here? I mean... You know, I, I the odds to me and a couple of guys, the odds from like the top twenty and then going to the top ten shuffle around, and I think it's kind of interesting looking at uh, you know some guys that get cut in half, but then you have guys like Cameron Tringali where the it seems like he what, what was he he was plus uh, he was only plus three seventy five, but then he jumps all the way up to eight fifty, so it's more than double, and some of these guys yeah. don't even double whenever you move them up here. So uh, anyone else like stand out to you like that? I think the the one that stands out to me where they get more than double is also Doc Redman. Like, I just think it's weird that he goes from uh, plus 600 to plus 1400. I mean, I don't know. I probably won't play it, but I think that's a really interesting number for him. The guys I'm most interested to play here are Sung JM. Uh, this is where I'm going to play Scotty Scheffler. I think he has a good weekend. I don't think he wins. So I think plus 330 is a really good number to get for Scheffler and a top 10, a guy who's just a really, really talented golfer. Probably going to play Carlos Ortiz here just because I like his number better here than I do for a top 20 at plus 750. And then I think just because plus 1400 is so inviting for a guy with the track record on Pete Dye tracks that Kevin Chappell has, I'll probably dip into it at plus 1400, but I'm not going to play a ton here. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you. I think the top 20 stuff, I mean, you know, I'm, don't don't mean to be like obviously, but it, it's it's I think it's safer for this particular mm-hmm. tournament. All right. Um, one thing and, you know, I'll kind of go back to it we were talking about it earlier is because of the three different courses, I do feel like that it can be a little random. Uh, with the weather, with other t- sorts of things. So, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be more risk-averse in this particular tournament uh, in terms of 
taking these top 10s and top 20s than I normally would be compared to others just because I just feel like data that we have is just it's not going to be as strong because we're just getting you know a third of what we would normally get yeah for sure I definitely agree with that I think I think we want to look at more in the betting market specifically more sure things and 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 go based off that, right? Like, you want your Webb Simpson top 10s in this tournament. You want your Sung JMs, who are just, like, the model of consistency, basically, as a golfer, as opposed to, oh, let's see if, you know, I don't know, Zach Johnson's going to hit top 10 at plus 650 or whatever he is right now, right? You you want to go for either numbers that are just, like, don't make sense to you because they're so big, or you want things you go... Yeah, Sung JM at at 1.75 to 1 for a top 10 seems reasonable, right? Like, those are the sort of numbers you want to look for. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, with that said, I think there's a couple people that kind of stick out to me with the the winner bracket here. I mean, I feel like you talked a little bit about him earlier, but Alex Noren at plus 5,000, I mean, in terms of just, like, talent level, he seems to be... I mean, I feel like he should be higher in the in a field that's not top heavy, particularly when you have guys. Like There's top a weird, top. weird stigma around him that he doesn't pre- like perform well on U.S. soil, and his numbers always suppressed because of that. Here, like, I think plus five thousand is a fine number for him. He's a super talented golfer, and he's made twelve out of the last thirteen cuts here. It's not like he's not played well recently. I think it's just like one of those weird things that stuck with him over time and, and he hasn't been able to shake it. But I think his numbers should probably be closer to, I don't know, plus 3,300 or something like that. Yeah. Like why is he the same as Vaughn Taylor? Like that seems crazy. Right. Crazy to me. Yeah. He's more talented. So that's someone I kind of like Wolf and Scheffler being about the same whenever Scheffler is, uh, well, not substantially higher, but certainly a, a a pretty big jump in DraftKings is pretty interesting. That makes me think Scheffler is a, a fine play here uh, to win. Yeah, I wonder how much that has to do, like, is Wolf's number better than it should be because he uh, has played in the last two weeks and, like, betting markets know that people have come from, or winners have come from, play, like, players that have played in the last two weeks. Or is it just like Scotty Shuffler's got four or three top tens, so his top ten numbers are better, but his winning numbers aren't better? Like I, I don't, I don't know exactly why that is the way it is, but it makes me feel better about Matt Wolf, I think, than it does about Scotty Shuffler. Fair enough. It may be Wolf. At this point, you would think just has a not like the pedigree. I mean, he has actually won a tournament, but right. he has a, a higher chance of winning a tournament. But he just also has a higher chance of just doing terrible. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So uh, high floor, low ceiling. All right, other way around. High ceiling, low floor. High ceiling, yeah. low floor. So and then and then obviously you're, you're going Sung J M here as as uh, yep. a big play. Yep. Uh, yeah, it'll be my biggest. Obviously, have to be my biggest play. Uh, the numbers that I like and the players I like to win, I'm interested in M sixteen to one. I'm interested at Kisner at twenty five to one, because I said I think he has a chance to win. I'll I'll put my money where my mouth is. I'll put Wolf at thirty three to one. I think Zach Johnson at sixty six to one is interesting, and I don't know why, but I can't like resist putting like five bucks on Storch Sink to win at two hundred to one. Like that just is way too fun to pass up for me. So I'm gonna do something small on that but yeah i mean i think like wolf's in like uh, sorry scheffler is an interesting number at 33 english is interesting at 50 russell knox really fits this course at 50 and like you said noren at 50 is really really cool 
Uh, I think there are some fun numbers to play here, but I, again, I think M is the best player in the tournament. Yeah. You know, going back to the DK you know, stuff for a minute, I, we didn't really talk about Russell Knox, but you mentioned that there's always one guy that has played in one of these two legs of the Hawaii tournament. That's one, nine of the last ten times. Is that the stat you yeah. had earlier? Yep. And for some reason, I keep drawing my eye back to, you know, we haven't got to the baby, uh, the power fade, the baby draw, but he keeps drawing, I keep drawing my eye back to Russell Knox, and I don't particularly like this number for him. I think him and Harris English are a little high compared to where they are on the DraftKings market, but I, for some reason, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 like, I like Russell Knox this weekend. All right. I think I do. I'm trying to talk myself into him. I could see him winning think, in a vision. Uh, I played Russell Knox the last three weeks. I think he's a very good golfer, and I think if he puts it all together over the course of the weekend, he'll he he can definitely win a tournament. The only thing that really, you know, holds him back is his birdie or better percentage. But he hits a ton of greens. He scores on par fours. He doesn't score as well on par fives. But again, I expect everybody to score on par fives this week. I I, I like Russell Knox as a play. He'll make some of my DraftKings lineups for sure. And he may sneak into a top twenty bet or a win or something because I think he's worth it. He just, he's just a he and English, I guess, are kind of the same since you compared them and that they're just really, really solid golfers. And maybe they win one week, but I think they're they have a lower or a higher floor, lower ceiling. And if you you know to bring it back to what we were talking about before, right, right. I'm trying to think. I I don't think I have anything else to add really. Uh, you know, just keep an eye on the weather. I really can't stress enough that I think that you just don't need to mess around too much with the super bottom of the bracket here, even in the big field tournaments, because I think the best players are going to make the cut, the less variance. And I think that especially, I mean, it's only one round, but it's like 33%, you know, of an increase compared to normal. And that's a pretty big percentage. And that should matter to more people. I don't know. Yeah, unless unless you're trying to really fit some JM in your lineup with another pretty expensive guy. You don't have to spend a lot of time in the bottom of the barrel this week. That's my opinion. Uh, I do, again, I'm going to say it. I think Maverick Manili at 6,200 on DraftKings finishes top 20 this week. I do believe that, and I'm going to bet on it. So he's a guy I'd target and maybe chapel, but like you just don't need a lot of a less than 7,000 guys this week because I think there are enough guys from 7,500 to 7,000 that are really, really good in that range. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. You got anything else? I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to to be sitting down with you again. I'm happy your cast is off. That's all. That's all I got. Golf and basketball. Right <laughs> same here. Same here. Uh, I love John Morant. I love Sung JM. Take it to the bank. That's all you need to know. Fair enough. Thank you for tuning into the In the Bag podcast this week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at James Paul Four. Slaughter is at Slaughter. Uh, in the podcast, we have one at In the Bag Cast. So if you want to add anything to the show or would like to see any us talk about any specific topics uh you can direct any inquiries there we'll be back with you again next week to discuss uh a little bit more of the west coast swing Uh, until then happy investing to all of you this week and hopefully you'll tune in for that so we can help make sure you have the right clubs in the bag